0: Well, I don't think I've ever been this timely for something other than Jiu Jitsuka and Zero review. And I have a guest this time. What's up guys? As I have lately.
1: Uh yeah, I'm back. It's Isaac again. Uh, happy to be
0: here to talk
1: about today's topic which is
0: Cyberpunk Edge Runners and I brought a Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven expert.
1: Uh yes, I have beaten the game once. I also <laughs> I have two characters up in the air, haven't beat the game with them yet, but I'm working on it. So, I'm, I guess I'm like a, not a cornerstone, but I'm a good comparison between what's shown in the game and what's shown in the anime.
0: Well, with that intro done, let's get into it. As stated, I brought a Cyberpunk 2077 expert, and he will be our guide through the world of Night City as we go into a pseudo prequel. Uh,
1: So I guess this is a good place to start. So, officially, Cyberpunk Edge Runners is a prequel to the video game of a similar name, Cyberpunk 2077, released by CD Projekt Red, I believe it was two years ago? You ever tell? No, it was, yeah, two years ago, whenever they released the game. It's been a while. Anyways, not to get off topic. Um, And as many of you listening probably know, if you had a phone during the year of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven had a very disastrous launch. I'd say perhaps the
0: worst in recent history. I remember the day it happened because you were so excited for the game. You you talked about it the whole yeah. first semester we lived together. And then the day it came out I saw all of I'm just texted you like, hey how you doing buddy? Yeah. I'm I'm not
1: going to lie, like This is going to sound very strange, but I didn't lose hope initially in CD Projekt Red. Because, well, they're CD Projekt Red. They have very good uh, values when it comes to customer service, customer satisfaction. Because The Witcher 3 had some issues at launch. They ironed those out. They made the DLC for The Witcher 3 very affordable. Like, you can get the season pass even today for, like, 25 bucks, and it doubles the length of the game.
0: Well, I saw the I saw the whole complete edition with all DLC out on sale for $9.
1: Yeah. Well, keep in mind it is a game that originally... It's an out. older game, too, now. It, it originally launched in 2015. So, keep that in mind whenever you're talking about it. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're very good about pricing uh, when it comes to older games. Especially compared to companies like Activision. Because if you go on the uh, Xbox Game Store, the last time I checked as of the time of this recording, which would have been a couple of days ago. Black Ops 2 with none of the DLC on the Xbox Game Store... Is still $60.
0: Oh, God. And it's
1: nearly a decade old game. I think it is a decade old game.
0: Nintendo is not that good at it either. The only games I know that they actually discount from the base price would be the Nintendo Selects, and they haven't done that for this generation. Yeah. But getting Pikmin 3 for 19 bucks. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited about Pikmin, but
1: I've never really played it, but maybe one day. It's fun. But we're getting a little off track. Yeah. But that's fine it's sometimes good to get off track to bring the focus back to cyberpunk 2077 the premise of the game and this is sort of in tangent also sort of the premise of the story for cyberpunk edge runners the seek the prequel spin-off series the game and the anime both
0: take place in the fictitious night city which was made back for Cyberpunk 2020, back in the day, classic tabletop game, which you only played if you were a masochist because D&D was much better and easier.
1: Yeah, uh, if you couldn't tell, Gabe has played the Cyberpunk tabletop game. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, he's had a bit of an experience. Friday Night Firefight is terrifying, and I can't believe why it never really took any sort of popularity. Yeah, so
1: Gabe has experience with the tabletop game which sort of set everything into motion back in the day i have experience with the game itself the video game 2077 but we both have experience watching the topic of today's podcast cyberpunk Cyberpunk edge runners that's pretty sick but um so to finish up setting the premise because we did get off track again apologies about that cyberpunk edge runners and Cyberpunk 2077 both take place in the fictitious Nice City, which is a... Californian? Yes, it's in California, and it's what's known in the in-game universe as an independent city-state. So it's not technically part of the United States anymore.
0: So as an example for our viewers, Athens. Yes. Old yeah. Athens, not modern Athens. Yes, <laughs> okay. so Cyberpunk uh, 2077
1: in Nice City... Uh, the city has its own police force, its own military. The mayor is, in effect, the president in a way of the city itself. But as with most futuristic dystopian hellscapes, something's got to be drastically wrong. And in Night nice City, that is the rampant corporations that run around. And they are major players in the story of both Edgerunners and the video game 2077.
0: And even the 2020
1: modules. Exactly. So, basically, all you need to know is that corporations are rampant, they are completely out for themselves, and everyone else beneath them is left fighting for the scraps.
0: What about Cyberpunk 2077, though? What do you mean? With? What are you talking about? I'm making a joke. Oh.
1: (laughs) Oh. God. Anyways, moving on. Um... Do you just want to get more into the specificity of Edge Runner's plot?
0: No, I want to take one step back from the plot and look at the production. Because I remember this got announced, and I'm like, oh god. They're making an anime based on cyberpunk, of all things. That is very true. I
1: remember that announcement at the time. I I was extremely skeptical, needless to say, but I was also curious... I was skeptical till I finished the show. <laughs> as to why they... Proved it, but then I realized that CD Projekt Red had been kind of under the radar, not really making a big fuss about it, slowly fixing the game, bringing stuff that they had promised at launch, which, you know, they're kind of pulling a No Man's Sky. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I don't like the development studios do this now, but it's better than just abandoning the product, like something. Um, something that di- not dice, something that EA would make. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I was just about to think of the game. Um, I forget it. Anthem. Oh,
0: they, poor Bioware.
1: Yeah, Bioware basically lost everything because they made a very, very underwhelming... War. They were
0: forced to make a very underwhelming game. Yeah. Because I mean, that's not their expertise.
1: Yeah, a looter shooter RPG. Uh, very reminiscent of Destiny, but as far of class systems and different abilities, certain suits. Getting off topic again. But CD Project Red still greenlit Studio Trigger to continue production on the Cyberpunk Edge Runners
0: anime. And if you don't know who Trigger is, dear god, look it up. It's some of the best character design, some of the best like action, period.
1: I was gonna say, even if you've not personally watched anything of Studio Trigger before now, like me, I've never watched anything made by Studio Trigger. Really? Until, yeah. You didn't even watch Star Wars Visions? No. I only watched the first episode of Star Wars uh, Visions. It's, they do the
0: second one.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what you missed it. I'm, yeah, I stopped. But that's because I wasn't a big fan of Star Wars Visions for the most part. Some of them were kind of mediocre.
0: I loved them.
1: Okay, well, that's, that's the issue of reviewing things, subjectivity. It's also
0: an anthology.
1: Very true. But getting off topic again, but that's fine. So CD Projekt Red greenlit the thing, this anime to be finished, despite knowing that it can very well flop. So that means one of two things, either A, they're putting all their chips on black and they're praying that something works, or B, they think it's worth seeing. And I truly think based on what we got, CD Projekt Red definitely believed it was the latter. They believed that despite all the backlash Cyberpunk 2077 got, it was worth people seeing.
0: You know what? Okay, you know, I do the segments and all that, and we we, we aren't the greatest at planning these out. I want to end it with this. I have already talked to people who, after they've seen this, they're like, you know, including you, they want to play Star 2077 again. Yeah. And I think this came out at the perfect time. Like, it's been enough time. A lot of bugs have been messed with and tweaked and fixed. The game is much better now. It's not quite where I want it to be, but it's definitely much more playable. I think it's been a, a small revival for the game. Minimum. I I would I agree. And the you. game's on sale right now, so they know what they're doing.
1: I agree with you. And also in tandem with the DLC coming or the Edge Runners anime coming out, they announced a new story expansion DLC, which I think is really interesting. They got uh, Keanu Reeves to come back to play his iconic character Johnny Silver. Oh yeah, one of the
0: biggest things about Cyberpunk 2077, if you don't know, is Keanu Reeves is one of the leads.
1: Yeah, he's very much, in almost the entire game, except, excluding the introductory segment.
0: He's not the protagonist, he's more of the deuteragonist, would you say?
1: Yeah, I'd say that's one of the strong points in the narrative there, deuteragonist, between Keanu Reeves and your player-made character, V.
0: I'm glad that they gave the character a name and not pull a stupid RPG thing of just, oh yeah, it's him. Hmm. Or her, and they never refer to your name, even if they have a canon name. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's CD Projekt Red's
1: strong suit is not RPGs with custom characters, RPGs with pre-established characters, but you're seeing the world through their eyes and kind of controlling their actions. They did it really well for nearly a decade with Geralt of Rivia in the three Witcher games and the Witcher 3's DLC, and they, story-wise, they did it very well with V, too. It's just... The game was so buggy that most people couldn't even get to the good
0: meat and potatoes of what the story was. My friend, right away, he got the game. Yeah. And he would send us glitch reports. Oh, yeah. Of, like, he'd he'd be fighting people that were T-posing, and they wouldn't make any animations, but they'd still hit him with their fists and stuff. Lord. Yeah. And he was playing this on his, like, near, like, custom-built computer. Oh, yeah. PC got hit pretty hard, but consoles
1: got hit even worse. So it was just a messy Cause Kids, you got the PS4 version. Isn't that the worst version? Uh, arguably, yes. Because the Xbox version was a bit more stable for some reason. But I don't remember the specifics. Probably an act of God. Probably an act of God. Or an act of Activision. <laughs> just kidding. Activision had nothing to do with this game, which is surprising. But anyways, shall we wrap this segment up and get into the anime itself?
0: Yeah, I'd say let's get into it. Are we re-recording this segment? Yes. Anyway, speed run
1: time. Uh, Speed run. I got you. Uh, The main protagonist of the series is David. David is a bit of a street rat, although he goes to Arasaka Corporate School. He's funded by his mom, who pulls a lot of
0: overtime shifts. And in the English dub, he's voiced by uh, Zach Aguilar, who's Tom from Demon Slayer. Yeah. Anyways, getting back on track. David's uh, entire
1: deal is that one day due to a tragedy that befalls him, he's stuck on his own and has to fend for himself in the cruel, heartless world of Night City. We just took five minutes of content, comp- compressed it into thirty seconds. Giancarlo
0: Esposito is a show as a celebrity voice actor. Yes, he is
1: very much one of the main antagonists of the series. What do you expect? Is Giancarlo Esposito, Gustavo Fring, uh the dude from The Mandalorian, the bad guy? Oh yeah, him. Uh, <laughs> Gustavo Fring, but in Far Cry 6 for some reason. I believe they changed his name to Anton Castillo in order to uh, bypass visa restrictions. Anyways, that's getting off topic. Let's move on to the next character that we need to talk about. Uh, David's uh, deuteronomist in a way. Heroine. Uh, Very much his closest female
0: friend. Not to spoil anything.
1: uh, Lucy.
0: We've all seen the trailer. Okay, yeah. It's the chick that David's banging yeah lucy okay voiced by amy lowe in the dub and i have very little clue of what she's done outside of this yeah but i still thought at least whenever i listened to the
1: sub the japanese version i thought she her VA did a really good job and i mm-hmm. thought her character was very well developed and had a very good arc it very much felt like a complete character arc like i, I have no complaints about david or lucy character wise
0: yeah uh, main thing we have to get out of the way of cyberpunk edge runners it is a not one and done, but David and Lucy, they're probably, we're never, probably never going to see them again because their stories are done.
1: Yeah, they've had their full character arc. The series comes to a very satisfying conclusion. Um, there's really no need to bring the characters back. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's a complete story. A sequel would be a waste. But, We'll, kind of, we'll talk about this more in the opinion section. I'll bring something up. And there. the
0: spoilers. Yeah,
1: related to this. So the next character you think we should focus on should probably be Maine.
0: Yeah. Well, Well. I mean, we should probably mention, yeah, David joins a gang, a unit. Um. So in Cyberpunk, edge runners are people that do mercenary contracts. They're, they they're the cyberpunks, but it sounds stupid to call them that in the in the game and stuff. So we call them the edge runners.
1: Yes, in contrast to their support that do things online, the net runners
0: because mm-hmm.
1: they're on the razor's edge so to speak anyways main is the leader of david's edge runner outfit and he's very much a father slash mentor figure one of the biggest dude i've ever seen trigger make i was gonna say he's a very big bulky guy but he has a very heart on his sleeve it's also 90 percent cybermanetics instead of muscle yeah as we say he's very much uh, fully into cyberware He's very decked out with Chrome. That's just the slang term for cybernetics in the
0: show. If you don't know the Chrome for cyberpunk, uh, I recommend looking up a guide. Yeah. Keeping it handy. But um, Main's entire thing is that he's
1: very much David's mentor figure. He helps him become an edge runner. He helps him try to earn his stakes. Uh, Main is definitely a critical supporting father. As slash, an arm cannon. Yeah. Slash older brother figure to David when he's starting out as a mercenary.
0: And then we have everyone's favorite character except for me. Rebecca. Rebecca. Rebecca is a bit of a small, I'd say, at the
1: beginning of the show. She's maybe like 14, 15. She's very young. Five feet tall at most. If that, she's probably like 4'10". Anyways, Rebecca is extremely short, but she is the gang's gunslinger. and, And the funniest character in the show. And she's very much the comedic relief, but also at the same time, she does have a pretty neat little arc of her own. She matures a little bit throughout the show, which is pretty cool to see. Her eyes are freaky, though. Yeah. um, In the show, it's pretty common. In the show and the game, it's pretty common for people to replace their eyes with cybernetic lenses that have Uh. uh, non-naturally occurring patterns. Rebecca's eyes are red with yellow uh, irises. Yeah. Gabe's getting the heebie-jeebies over here. I think she has a very cool, unique character design.
0: Her skin's also gray, and I don't want to ask how they pull that off. Um, it's actually tattooing. Oh, I figured that it's cyberpunk. I just figured it was, they just skinned her and then put new stuff on.
1: Oh yeah, no. You can just get your skin color changed, like get tattooed or whatever, whatever you want to do.
0: Tattooing seems easier. Yeah. it's
1: just like a scan or like a tattoo. They put it on there.
0: Oh yeah. They, they probably mastered laser tattoos at this point. Not laser. Uh, like what's that called? Where you, where they can just disc- electric patterning.
1: I think so. Yeah. For that, we don't know. We
0: don't even know. It would be its own...
1: We're getting off topic. Uh, is there any other character you would like to touch on?
0: Faraday. No, yeah. no.
1: Spoilers. So, yeah. Everything Faraday's touches spoilers. The main thing you need to know about Faraday, and it's fairly obvious from the outset,
0: he's very much the antagonist to the story. The man has four eyes, and three of them are on one side of his head.
1: Yeah. I don't really feel comfortable discussing other characters just for the sake of spoilers. Yeah. So, we'll leave it with those four to consider. David, Lucy, Maine, and... Faraday. Those are the four characters that I think see the most development throughout the plot
0: of of the show. And And then you have Falco, my favorite of the game. And Rebecca. Yeah. Falco Falco doesn't get to do much. That's not a lot of ourselves.
1: Yeah, Falco's very much a one and done character. He kind of pops in and pops out. In the
0: dub, he has a Texas accent.
1: Oh, that's actually pretty neat. In the uh, Japanese sub, he has a Japanese accent.
0: (laughs) I hope so.
1: Uh, anyways, we're getting off topic. So, do you? Uh, we have two options here. We can either elaborate a bit. We need to end this segment, probably, and then we can talk about spoilers. Yeah, just in case somebody walks in again. Yeah, I was about to say. So we're gonna end this segment. Next segment, just be warned. We will be discussing. We didn't this. talk about the music.
0: We should probably do that next segment. Okay, next segment, we're talking about the music. It'll what? be a short one, three, four minutes. Yeah, don't worry about spoilers. Next segment. And then worry about spoilers after that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to end this all right now. Man, this show's soundtrack's
1: amazing. Yeah, I think the most amazing thing about it, though, and you brought this to my attention, is the fact that every piece of audio except for the opening and ending themes are from the Cyberpunk 2077. Now, I didn't
0: do it with a fine-tooth comb, so, you know most tracks most a large majority of tracks. to the point where i didn't realize they were from the game and man that game has a huge genre of music it has a lot of different music which really lends to the atmosphere because it's
1: common genres that people know so like rock and roll techno reggae uh i think even abundance of rap music but at the same time, it's music you know, but it's given a bit of futuristic tweak, I'd say.
0: Yeah, that's that's the best part about the soundtrack for me, is it's lifted directly from the game, most of it. Yeah, so it really gives you a feeling of... Familiarity if you've played it. And all, if you play the game afterwards, it's familiarity from the show. And also, I was going
1: to say sameliness. Like, you can tell they're in the same universe, they're the same canon, in a way.
0: And some of the songs fit so perfectly. <coughs> like, uh, what's that one that plays whenever Lucy's doing anything? Uh, I really want you to come to my house or something. Yeah, like that. I really want to stay at your house. That's it. Yeah. Man, that one's really good. Yeah, it is really good for her character. And then Who's Ready for Tomorrow is a pretty good one for David.
1: Yeah. But they very much have their own themes, but they're based in the game. But I mean, this is an important story because that was already talked about. This is a prequel. So it makes sense why there would be...
0: Yeah, there, there's a few references to the game, too. But yeah. we can talk about those in spoiler.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I, I'd i say definitely music's probably my highlight of the show. Okay. Because any, any scene that has the music in it is amazing. <laughs> I agree with you. I would like to add just a little micro-segment since we're talking
1: about the production of the show itself. We don't need to do a new one here. But the animation, the art direction, character design... All phenomenal. They really outdid themselves because everything feels so—I don't say perfect, but it fits so well. I was—it doesn't break your suspension
0: of disbelief. Character designs, I agree completely on. But honestly, I was a little disappointed near the beginning of the show because Trigger is known for being the most bombastic dudes in the business. Yeah, I think. Um, Later on, and they definitely made up for it. You can definitely tell the, the scenes where they sunk their money into, but. Early on I was disappointed. That's fair, but
1: I appreciated it because it fit the tone of what they were trying to do. This was very much a character focused story. It wasn't necessarily an action focused story. Yeah.
0: And but all action
1: came about as a result from story action. There was never just a hey you, let's fight.
0: Now I will say there are definitely moments in the earlier episodes where I'm like, this is trigger, like when that dude gets turned to a red spurt on the wall. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just spoiled something, but that's fine. Oh, uh, somebody dies! Oh yeah, cyberpunk anime and/or game people <gasps> die. I know it's crazy, but this isn't Final Fantasy 13: Lightning Returns, where that's one of the plot points. See, I don't even know what that is. So let's just move on to the next segment where you talk about
1: spoilers.
0: Okay, we're gonna talk about car parts now. <laughs> well it's been what two days since the rest of the episode
1: yeah we decided to take a bit of a break due to a scheduling conflict but we are back uh this is all going to be on the same episode but for us there has been a two-day gap
0: we've had more time to get our thoughts together
1: yeah so we're gonna try to pick up what we left off in the last segment where i believe we were talking about spoilers
0: yeah this is the spoiler segment
1: the plot and then we're going to kind of finish off with what our impressions and what we liked disliked stuff like that right Hmm. okay so, oh yeah, and you said you, you, you brought your notes, right? I didn't bring them this time, but <laughs> I read over them. So I'm very familiar with what I had to say. And I've got just some general inputs from uh, different reviewers in the community and what they thought about it. But just kind of like a summarized impression. I wouldn't really say it's a, uh, I'm not going person by person. Just some things that I saw that occurred frequently in other people's reviews.
0: So yeah, can right. I can I just go ahead? Spoilers, obviously. That ending hurts. <laughs> yeah, the ending, the ending
1: was by far the first, if not second, hardest part to watch of that whole show. It's the first. Um, another spoiler in episode six, whenever Maine is. Killed, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that's a really really tough to watch, especially considering how. Fast, you get to know the characters because main was introduced at the end of episode two, which is nuts to me. I've,
0: because now I can't remember all the stuff that happens in episode one uh, because it does have some pretty decent pacing.
1: Yeah, well, it's very—I wouldn't say it's rushed, but it's very snappy. It does—it doesn't waste a lot of time. But at the same time, they are more than able to get by with it from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Because they put so much detail that you can kind of tell what sort of person each character is, just from a few interactions, without having to know a definitive backstory. And I'll be honest with you, like
0: we don't know a lot of the backstories. We, we know, I think the only one we know is we. The only two we know are really Lucy and David, uh, and Maine a little bit because his yeah. entire thing
1: is uh, in episode six. Uh, as we discussed recently, Maine is suffering from cyber psychosis, like the whole Maine boogeyman of the show. Yeah, and so he is on the verge of having a complete mental shutdown of his faculties. Uh, he's starting to see things. He's starting to hallucinate. But it's through these hallucinations we see that at one point in Maine's life, he was just trying to run away from something, literally, because before he became a edge runner in Night City, he's having flashbacks of him running through the desert. By himself, just panting, barely moving forwards, but he just keeps on pushing.
0: We Maybe we could use that as an allegory for running from our problems. I think so. It definitely something in his past, but that's another thing, too, is like, they didn't have to go into a very big, in-depth boo-hoo. I don't think the game or the tabletop really goes into the decline of the person, just that it happens. With cyber psychosis.
1: Yeah. So it was very interesting to see. And it was also a gradual thing. Because in the episodes leading up to it, uh, Maine's cybernetic prosthetic hands and arms. Yeah, they're, they're getting especially, twitchy. Especially his signature uh, arm cannon. Yeah. Really starts to twitch. And um, he just can't... I think you said last time, it's sort of an allegory for addiction. Yeah. In a way. Because... Um, Despite these, like, obvious hindrances that he's experiencing firsthand, he still wants to get new upgrades, and new cyberware, and all kinds of stuff.
0: Like, I think, who is it? Is it Kiwi that says if he just got rid of a few, he'd be fine? Yeah, and, uh... Or is it his, who's the other girl that's in there it isn't Rebecca? Um, I forgot her
1: name. She's, yeah, she's... The a- Russian, I think. <laughs> She, see, I watched the Japanese version, so I couldn't tell them. Oh, yeah. But, um, if she is Russian, you know, cool. I'm gonna look up her name right now, so that way we can just get this out of the way. Uh, See? I looked over my notes, but...
0: She was not part of it. Well, no, she had a... She she, has a role um, in the plot. She has a very important... Doryo. Doryo, yeah.
1: Yeah, Doryo is Maine's, I guess, girlfriend, in a way? Yeah. Yeah, Dorio is Maine's girlfriend and they are, uh, she's very much getting on him for not uh, downgrading. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like you were saying with Kiwi, uh, had he just got rid of a few prosthetics, or even scaled back. Yeah. Because that was the main thing they were talking about, I was like, if you just downsize, you'll be fine. But he just refused to downsize and it ultimately would cost him his life. And then
0: we see David go through the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. David
0: um with the was it was it Beck was it Rebecca that told him to downsize? I assume because I don't think Lucy would even mention it. Uh it was Rebecca because she was showing concern
1: that David would end up like Maine. Which, you know, heavy, heavy foreshadowing. But I do think it's interesting that David David never really as a protagonist, his goal is very much to make the people around him happy. Yeah. And to sort of carry the torch in a way because like The entire reason for doing what he did and the reason why he wears his mom's EMT jacket is to make a name for himself, to do the things that she never could. And I mean, he does. Well, what I
0: find interesting is that the whole beginning of the plot with him quitting Arasaka Academy and all that is to choose your own path in life and not a path someone else has chosen for you yeah but I still think circumstances kind of picked his path in life versus the other way around so he's still kind of a slave to that because he followed Maine's footsteps instead of what his mother wanted I agree and definitely after Maine was killed he could have done
1: something else but I think it was so much of a passing the torch moment whenever Maine died because David was there he witnessed his death in slow motion literally Uh because he's moving so fast but David I mean even going forwards into the future because there is a bit of a time skip between episode six and seven. David... Is it ever
0: mentioned how big it is? No,
1: but I think it's implied It's a, maybe around two to three years. Yeah, because, well, that works for me, too. Because David is definitely much older. Lucy's definitely older. So you can tell the characters have aged, but at the same time, uh, David is very much carrying on Main's torch because he even implanted da- uh, Main's Maine's cannon. Cannon arm on his own left arm. But I remember... Uh, main specifically
0: wanted david to have it saying don't worry you'll grow into it and he did yeah because he wanted to have, what was the other guy's name i forget um the fingers dude uh hold on Ugh. it's google time
1: see the characters character he
0: dies and uh, that's uh, why we don't remember him as much uh pilar pilar yeah yeah because when pilar died uh main was was like hey you want his fingers and he's like no i'm going for something bigger yeah well originally
1: um yeah that is true we offered it to david right
0: yeah that's
1: right but are there any other like key story moments you want to talk about aside from the ending before we kind of move towards the conclusion of this whole We story. have to
0: I think I think we're good just to jump into the ending. Okay. So the ending of the show Starting from episode A, everything gets
1: everything <sighs> rapidly declines in David's life all at once because he is over the course
0: of maybe two hours. Yeah, he is on the verge of cyberpsychosis. Like he is very much about. He is to like taking immunodepressants like
1: they're candy. Straight up, yeah. And he entrusts one of his crew members, Rebecca, who's very much a fan-favorite character at this point. I think it's earned. But he trusts Rebecca. I mean,
0: short girl with shotgun. What else would you need
1: in life? Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of the same appeal that Tiny Tina had with Borderlands. <laughs> I think it's a similar, you know what I mean, similar character appeal. Yeah. But anyways, you know, a little off track. Um, I think... Like, David knows it's the end, but he still wants to push on. You know what I mean? He very much is at the end of his rope. Like, he knows he's probably about to die. Or, at the very least, go cyber-psycho.
0: Yeah, so Faraday, you know, also, again, I just want to mention this voice by Giancarlo Esposito. Mm, He gives him one last job. Get the Mm cyber-skeleton.
1: That's meant for an individual that we'll bring up in just a little bit. We can't give you all the... It rhymes with right
0: Batum Basher.
1: Okay, well that's not very original or inspired, but yes, Gabe is right. <laughs> but, um, Basically, the job is to ambush an Arasaka convoy. The plan initially goes very smooth. And,
0: However, then, and then another corporation, Militech, shows up. And Militech, I assume, is more of a general sector, with some... Again, you know this better than I do. Just, in Militech... Arasaka is more of an all-purpose but with military investments and Militech is just military. Yes, that's probably the best way to put it. Arasaka has its fingers
1: in a lot of different a uh, different fields, a lot of different technologies but it's kind of uh, an all-reaching company I'd say. Militech is very much weapons, military cyberware uh, military support,
0: security so, forces. So, so Stark Technologies before or af- before and after Iron Man 1.
1: Yes, that's probably the best way to put it, absolutely. But uh, definitely. But they're ambushed by a Militech convoy. and They are absolutely pinned down and they are all on the verge of death. There's no getting out of this. There's Kiwi no betrays them. Yeah. And Faraday, the fixer who gave them the contract, uses an inside person, in David's crew named Kiwi, who is their Netrunner. For those who don't know, Netrunner is a hacker, even though I thought we We talked about this earlier yeah and i did i
0: express my disdain for the net running in this show if it just kind of doesn't look that
1: cool well it's similar to how it was in the game and in the game it was very much played down don't get me wrong you could still have fun with it in the game it's very yeah just
0: but just all black with white outlines for everything for all the objects it kind of just yeah it's trigger
1: come on there's a net running sequence in uh cyberpunk 2077 that you go through, so I do think it was following that. But I, do, I know I do I'm understand. Like I do understand. It's trigger. Well, they are operating with pre-existing conditions and lore in yeah. regards of the world. But I think, given us how they were kind of reined in, they did go with the net running sequence.
0: But let's get back to the betrayal of Kiwi. So shoots good old Texan cowboy man Falco. I thought he was dead, he wasn't. I I did too, yeah, he was just wounded, but uh, Kiwi betrays the crew,
1: she leaves the scene to meet up with Faraday, and David, Rebecca, and Falco- Faraday has also
0: kidnapped Lucy at this
1: point. Yeah, in order to ensure that she doesn't interfere with David's whole deal. Because Faraday, the contract was not for David to steal the suit. The contract was to force David into wearing the suit as a like a trial run. As a trial run because David is very very compatible with cybernetic augmentation. So seeing no other option and no other way out, David
0: climbs into the suit to try to save his friends and save Lucy. Can we just talk about the suit itself for a split second? Yes. He's missing his arms and his legs, guaranteed, just look at him. Well, you also have to consider, and I feel
1: like we can comfortably talk about him now. Yeah. Who the suit is meant for.
0: I know, good old Badum Basher. His real name? Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher,
1: as fans of the tabletop game and 2077 know. I just gotta say, very, very welcome late, like, last minute antagonist. He was really cool to see in this anime.
0: Especially because... Do we want to pick up the biggest spoiler about the show? Yeah, go ahead and give it. Adam Smasher wins in the end. Yeah, he does. But at the same... Adam Smasher does win
1: in the end. Uh, Basically, David and his crew climb back into their vehicle and tear through Night City with Militech in pursuit, Narasaka closing in.
0: before, Before, I just want to mention, I don't like the look of the Cyber Skeleton that much. David's thing? Yeah.
1: Well, it's not meant to look aesthetically pleasing. I know. It's just, it, just meant it, to... it physically just looks really busy. Well, yeah, you're not wrong, but it's not meant to be. It's just... Keep in mind, it's also just a prototype. Yeah, it's also fair. But, uh... Anyways. We're tearing through Night City. Militech and Arasaka are in pursuit. And,
0: and we get one of the best car, crush- car chases I've seen in an anime. <laughs> I have to agree. And... And like the little flashbacks to David's old life, and that one point, his like ghost of his former self gets run over by their car, and I thought, wow, that's some really neat symbolism. Mm-hmm.
1: They did a really good job. It was a very well executed chase.
0: Yeah, I told you, I didn't feel this felt. I didn't. I didn't feel this show felt very trigger until episode eight, and then from then on, it was.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you because I've watched I watched clips of their other work in the past two days, so I was able to sort of. Get an idea of what they've done previously. So I definitely agree with you now. But they're cheering through the city. Militech, Arasaka's
0: in pursuit. Faraday's on the word Arasaka.
1: Yep. Uh, David is
0: on the verge of cyberpsychosis, and Lucy is still in Faraday's clutches. And Rebecca is pretty much near stabbing him constantly with immunosuppressants. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't turn cyberpsycho. And And he is running dangerously low. Mm -hmm. But.
1: They make their way towards Arasaka Tower, Arasaka headquarters, in order to intercept Faraday's
0: transport holding Lucy. And I, I think one of the coolest parts like on during the chase was uh, who who is who's it called that deal with the cyber psychos? You would know more than I would. Oh, uh, they're called MaxTac. Yeah, maxTac or whatever. Max. Max. Max Max? Okay. They are gonna... they are
1: for all intents and purposes, Max is the SWAT team of the Nice City Police Department. They are also special forces for Nice City.
0: Dude, I love that they peel off and say, "Oh, it's a code a- AS." Yeah, it's a code Adam Smasher. Yeah, it's
1: and true. his little
0: introduction during the chase of just like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna call him in," and dude's like, "Oh sweet," and then he's just sitting right off to the side. Mm-hmm. That design so menacing, all the black chrome metal and the red eyes and just the little white what could be the last bit of his organic body. It's not. He's... Oh, uh, God. He's
1: a... I think he's gone entirely... I think he's an entirely cybernetic person. I think it's honest to God. I think it's just his brain and a bit of his uh, nervous system in there. That's all. But the suit is meant for Adam Smasher because Adam Smasher in Cyberpunk lore is very, very adaptable. It's he's better than David. Yeah, he's
0: cybernetics. He's basically what I'd like to call 0.1% or something. Even beyond 0.
1: that. 0.00001%. I was going to say, Adam Smasher is an oddity because his entire body is chrome. He has no organic parts left, save for his brain and, like I said, a bit of his nervous system. But he still wants more and more upgrades because he's just so compatible with them. But... I think it's honest to God because Adam Smasher doesn't see himself as human. And plus Adam Smasher very much loves violence. Like that is what he's like, that is why he continues to exist and why he keeps getting more and more chrome. Because he loves like killing. That's his entire character motive. So he wants to put himself in whatever position he can to
0: inflict pain and violence on others. On one hand, you know, like he's definitely the villain. On the other hand, is who else in the world is going to be able to stop David at this point? Because he's he is not coming back. Um. So I'm kind of glad in the end he does. Yeah, but the
1: final battle takes place in Arasaka Tower. Yeah, they
0: start in the uh, hangar for helicopter. Hangar.
1: Uh, yes, and they, because they're going in there to try to get Lucy back. David and Rebecca and Falco end up on the bottom floor back in their pursuit vehicle. And there is a massive, massive fight between David, Rebecca, and Adam Smasher. Unfortunately, Adam Smasher lives up to his last name and quite literally curb stomps Rebecca. Like,
0: you don't, like, it tears her body in half. Like, you see her rib cage and yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, you just completely smashes, but keep in mind. The dude weighs like 800 pounds. Easy! And easily! That's that's a low-end assumption. Because his body is all metal. All metal. And he, what, jumped from the
0: side of the building? Yes, he jumped from the hangar that they were previously at. Dude, for a split second I thought, everyone's gonna get away! I'm so shocked! And then, ooh! Yep. Oh.
1: And then, a fight ensues between Adam Smasher and David. And it's a very, very cool fight. Because Adam Smasher has the same cybernetic to move at like the in- c- hum- Cividistan. Cibadet- uh, Cibadet- uh, Cibadet- they nickname it the Sandy, but it's the Sendivestin. Cine- the Sandivestin. Yeah. Gotcha. Cybernetic implant. Is a spinal implant that increases how fast your nerves essentially fire, react, and work. Yeah, so, we've gone over that this episode. And so in a sense, it gives you super speed for a limited duration of time. But, Adam Smasher and David both have this implant. So they are it, moving in. It, it at-
0: definitely gives me uh, over jo- versus Dio vibes. In terms of speed,
1: absolutely. Because they're constantly trying to match each other. But unfortunately, Adam Smasher just has the edge even from the output.
0: Like, we see, we see David slowly start, like he starts bleeding from his nose mm-hmm. and his eyes. Mm-hmm. And Adam Smasher's just like, oh, you can't keep up. <laughs> he's just playing with him, he's not even worried.
1: Well, I think it's even just because uh, Adam Smasher knows he's not restricted by...
0: Organic flesh
1: I was going to say blood, flesh, and bone. He's not restricted by any of that. He's basically a machine with a human mind. But it is an absolute slugfest of a final fight. David manages to peel off Adam Smasher at the lat. Manages to peel off Adam Smasher.
0: David then saves Lucy. And then that that really sad song starts playing yeah david saves lucy he
1: basically grabs her from the top floor of arasaka jumps down with lucy in his arms to try to save her life crawls up the side of the building he tells lucy you know he's never really had any wishes of his own any lifelong dreams he just wants to make the people around him happy and with that they have final touching moment together then david gives his life to save lucy and to a much lesser extent Falco <laughs> yes and Falco but uh David does die It's Adam Smasher
0: it is honestly a very hard scene to watch it what, is what's so, worse is the scene after I was gonna say what's worse is the scene after because so, so he pays Lucy and Falco beforehand yes for the, for the cyber skeleton job they got paid up front
1: Yeah, um, David splits the cut that was meant for, like, six people between two people. So it's a ton of money because this was a very high-risk contract. And uh, Falco takes his cut, leaves Night City. Lucy takes her cut and finally fulfills her lifelong dream of taking a space expedition to visit a moon colony. I thought she
0: moved there.
1: No, no. Oh. Yeah, no. I think it was just a visiting thing maybe because there's a similar i can't see spoiling the anime is one thing spoiling the game is another
0: yeah the game's a little
1: longer yeah so i'm not going to talk about the game but uh she does visit a moon colony and while she's on the moon she has a flashback to uh their little their little brain dance date or whatever i gotta say a vr it's called brain dance but a vr date on the moon that the two of them had and Dude, it is just hard to watch.
0: Because it's little kid David too. I it's not like David, huge David.
1: It's, it's David when he's seventeen. Yeah. But man, it's hard to watch. But also, it's very touching, and it's a great way to end the story. Because it's it's a lot of sacrifice
0: was involved. But at the end of the day, what I say, this show is amazing. Yeah, is it one of my favorites? I would say I
1: agree with you. This show is phenomenal in a variety of ways it is not my top five but it is certainly my top ten but at like an eight or a nine you know what I mean yeah but
0: I enjoyed it I thought you know what I enjoy, would enjoy them going forward yeah uh, maybe like a cyberpunk anthology series oh just like, uh, different like maybe like 40 minute episodes and so- then each episode be its own self contained thing
1: that could be pretty cool, like stories of
0: Night City or tales yeah. of Night City.
1: That'd be pretty neat. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, also, uh, David and Lucy's story is definitely complete. David's not David's definitely back. done, yeah, unless David's they pull back. some cyber voodoo. Yeah, Lucy, she her story needs to be done. A reference to her might be appreciated, but nothing beyond that, you know. But I definitely feel like. Uh, so both CD Projekt Red, with, in their collaboration with Studio Trigger, to make this happen, have definitely got people excited about Cyberpunk. Maybe not what they were born for, like to get excited about the game
0: again, but definitely to get excited about maybe some future projects, some more shows. Because think about it, they announced the DLC, the anime came out, all all in one week, and now and now it's on sale, and everyone's kind of like, hmm. yeah, this is definitely
1: a good attempt at a revival.
0: It's the uh, best I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, well, they're definitely pulling a No Man's Sky, but they're being, yeah they're being a bit more high key than No Man's Sky, but they're pulling a No Man's Sky. City Project Red is because I'll no be honest
0: there. with you, I never know
1: they fixed No Man's Sky. <laughs> oh, it's much better now. It's way more fun to play. It's got a lot more depth, but um, it's definitely a good time I would say to get
0: into Cyberpunk, especially if you've never played it before. Maybe even the tabletop game if you're a masochist
1: yeah tabletop games pretty hard I have heard there's been a bit of a fan initiative though to remake some of the annoying parts of it to make it a bit more streamlined well some of the
0: annoying parts are like uh, character creation is kind of hard you have to you have to put stuff in empathy stats so you don't go cyber psycho like there's an actual number so you need a high empathy stat to even use cybernetics Uh, and Friday Night Firefight basically makes all your characters mute I mean, moot. Because it's just headshot. In any other game, you'd be able to handle a lot more. Mm -hmm. In D&D, you can handle Dragon's Fire. Uh, Friday Night Firefight, you might not even survive a slingshot. But. I don't know. I felt like
1: it was a very, very well done anime adaptation of the Cyberpunk world. I really liked the art direction. The action was very much edge of your seat I don't
0: I don't think I ever did let you let you say like what you saw the other people talking about oh just some uh, some brief community opinions and keep
1: in mind I've watched maybe six reviews total I haven't seen any I'm not going to be citing anybody specifically rather I'm just going to sort of condense some general trends I've seen in the review number one first and foremost a lot of people really liked the art direction that they took
0: Yo, and yeah, the, and
1: the an- effort they put in animation. Uh, the soundtrack got a lot of praise. Even though it was mainly just from the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very impressive. Um, the characters, it was a mostly positive, but there were two mentions uh, that some of the characters felt a little rushed, specifically Pilar.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, doesn't he die the episode after he's introduced? Yeah, give or take, like episode
1: four, maybe. Yeah, I think is when he dies. But um, it was very much mostly positive reception. A lot of praise for what Studio Trigger did. A lot of emphasis was placed on the action of the show and how wild it is, and it is really wild and it is really entertaining. And another interesting point that I saw actually earlier today. Uh, And I will cite who this person is. It's a YouTube channel called Scramboli Reviews. And he reviews uh, anime and manga. If you are at all interested, definitely check him out on YouTube. But uh, he specifically said that it was very much refreshing to see an anime aimed at adults in a time when the trend seems to be very much wholesome stuff. I mean, wait till Chainsaw Man gets animated. (laughs) See, that's what I'm saying. And they've already confirmed for... Bleach that they're not going to censor anything like they did uh, back in the day.
0: Yeah, I never really looked at much of the censorship of bleach. I, I mean, it, it can't be like that bad, that bad. But I'm assuming
1: it's, dismemberment. It's quite a bit of dismemberment. It's quite a bit of like uh, holes in people's bodies, like gaping hole, like stuff like that.
0: But, uh, all the espada and the holes in their body. Exactly, <laughs> but I mean
1: like wounds. Like I each know, so Chad or even you know what I mean, but um. I kind of agree with him. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Spot Family as much as the next guy. I'm excited for October 1st. But <laughs> sometimes you do need a break. You know, you do you do sort of need a, a reality check. You do sort of need a sad story every once in a while, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Not even a like a fulfillingly sad story, you know? Cause I mean, everyone's gonna cry when Luffy actually finds the One Piece for multiple different reasons, for multiple different emotions, but like Crying for the sake of being sad for a TV show is an interesting feeling. It really is, but it
1: also I think it speaks volumes to what uh, they're able to do with this medium. You know, because like you give the example with One Piece, and I mean, David's story was much shorter than Luffy's. That's for sure.
0: I'd say about a hundred times shorter. Literally, almost a hundred times shorter. Over a hundred times shorter. I was going to say, if the
1: indications are going away, I think they will probably be. Uh, 120 times shorter, but that's story for a different day. Regardless, David's story felt very fulfilling, ups and downs, is very much a human uh,
0: anti-hero arc. Very good. Very well done. Well, uh, nice to have you and with the close of David's story. Oh no. I gotta add one more little thing. You have seventy seconds. Okay. This is a b- this is a
1: brief spoiler before we sign off. In Cyberpunk 2077, in the bar known as the Afterlife, all of the drinks in the bar are named after famous regulars who absolutely ate it while they were out on the job. In the recent update 1.6 for Cyberpunk 2077, they added a name with David, or they added a drink with David's name.
0: The Martinez.
1: Mm-hmm. David Martinez. You wow. can order it. And you can order it in the bar in the game. It's amazing.
0: Well, with that last little bit of info, would you like to would you like to end the episode with the mouse click? Of course. Bye guys. See you later. We'll see y'all later. You have to click stop.
1: Yeah, well. Thanks for having me on, man.